we do have these kind of sudden storms. I know that has been for me. Something that just, uh, you walk into Walmart and it was sunny and then suddenly you hear that industrial roof and you hear all that kind of that sound of that loud rain coming down on the Walmart roof and then you realize, wait, it's storming and people are coming in, running in soaked and wet and you realize it came out of nowhere. The next thing you know, that's what's going on. Sometimes, though, because we live in the flatlands, you can look out in the distance and you can see a storm miles and miles and miles away. And then if you were to look at the radar on your smartphone, you can see which direction it's coming. And so you can have some advance notice on that storm because you know there it is and it's headed this way and it kind of gives you a heads up. But then there are those storms that do just seem to pop up out of nowhere. And you have no idea how it happens. And we all have storms in our lives. Some of those that happen instantly that you just don't know where it comes from. And you look at God and you say, why, why is this happening in my life? Why am I going through this? Why do I have to handle this devastation? God, I was not ready for this storm. It leaves you asking sometimes, God, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong for this to happen to me? I want to be honest with you. In my life, in my life, since I have become a follower of Jesus, now for, let me be honest with you here as well, I have now followed Jesus longer than I had not followed Jesus than the time period before. So there has been more of my life since then, but I do want to tell you, my life I have had more difficulty since I chose to become a follower of Jesus than before. I have had more troubles since I became a follower of Jesus than I had before. My most difficult storms in my life... Now, let me be honest. Some of those storms I caused. They were my fault. I brought it on myself. I was harvesting some some seeds that I had planted. Some of the storms in my life that have been tremendously difficult, I harvested some seeds, some storms from something somebody else had planted. And then there's this little segment of storms that I have had also in my life that came from nowhere. I couldn't tell where it came from. I didn't know why it showed up. It was just there. Now, here's my question to you. you don't, please don't answer out loud. Do you have a storm brewing in your life? And if you do, don't answer this out loud. If you do, what is it? What is the storm that's possibly brewing in your life right now? Now, second question. Did you possibly just come out of a storm? Maybe you don't have one brewing right now, but maybe you just came out of a storm, a very difficult, tough thing. Maybe it was relational. It could have been financial. But did you just come out of a storm? And if you did, what was that? Well, you get that squarely in your mind. And then here's the one none of us want to hear. Perhaps you are headed into a storm. Because this is the cycle of life. I forget what they sang on Lion King. <laughs> this is the cycle. This is the circle of life right here. 
We're either in a storm, coming out of one, or we're going to be headed towards one. That's how life goes. So perhaps you are. Now listen, I am all for counseling. If you're around me for any period of time, it doesn't take me long to breach that topic about counseling. I am all for good Christian counseling. I think it, you benefit from that. I have benefited so much from good counseling because here it is. Somehow the best counselors, they don't just keep talking and rattling off information. That's why I'm a horrible counselor. You come to me for counseling, I tell you very quickly, I'll sit down with you once, but I'm a horrible counselor. I can't do it twice because I'll mess you up. So we'll sit down once and we got a shot at maybe getting you to a real counselor. But here's the thing. The, the best counselors don't rattle off information. Like that's my tendency because I'm not a counselor. The best counselors, they find this way of asking amazing, pertinent questions. And then you begin to answer those questions. And in that process of answering questions, you begin to discover things about yourself and about others that you never realized. And it was the masterful work of a good counselor asking the best questions possible. Now, through this series, the counselor, do not, get, do not be afraid. We're not going to be counseling but we are together going to walk and sit down in front of the best counselor ever. And we're going to listen to the words of Jesus and what he has to say to us. But more importantly than that, we are going to look at the questions that Jesus is asking us. So now, in order for us to understand this scenario today, this glimpse, this picture of this storm, we're going to see what Jesus asked us. Okay? Let's do that together. And maybe we can make some sense of some of the difficulties, some of the storms that we find ourselves in. So let me tell you where this was, what was happening to get us to where Jesus is at this moment in this story. Um, Jesus had been teaching and ministering, serving, loving these people all day long. Teaching them, spending time with them, just pouring out his life. A huge crowd had gathered, as often did. And in order for Jesus to kind of control the numbers so they didn't crowd in and, and make it impossible for him to teach, Jesus got into a boat on the edge of this sea, this giant lake, and he pushed out just a little way so he could teach everyone, and that kept everyone there, and they could gather up. So he did that, and he remained there in the boat. The people remained in the shore while he continued teaching. And now we find him at the end of this day, and here's what happens in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, okay, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So it was getting dark, it was getting late, and Jesus at this time was physically exhausted after having taught and just poured his life out, after having do, done that all day long. And please understand this. The Bible teaches us, and I believe this, that Jesus is not just a man like you and me, although he is 
100% man, but somehow, by God's plan, Jesus is 100% God. Now, I realize that math doesn't add up. 100% and 100% doesn't add up. This is a miracle of God. He, he sent himself to this earth as Jesus. Now, because Jesus is 100% God, Jesus has these attributes of God. And one of these attributes is God knows everything. He knows what's coming. He knows what has happened. He knows what is happening. And Jesus, being God, as they got into the boat, he knew what was on the other side of this lake. And if you read ahead in this story, you find out that there is someone on the other side of the lake. He hasn't told the men about this, but someone who desperately needs Jesus. Now, we also know that there are thousands and thousands of people all around Jesus at that moment who desperately needed him. But Jesus, for some reason, chose that on the other side of this lake, I'm going to reveal some of my glory to a small number of people on this other side for a very specific purpose. We did not know what that, they did not know the purpose. Jesus knew it was his plan. He knew what was waiting on the other side of the lake. But all he told them was, hey, let's go to the other side of the lake. We can read ahead and we know what's waiting for them. Jesus knew what was on the other side. He knew what was coming up. And guess what? Jesus also knew the route they were going to take to get to the other side. Now, these disciples knew the route as well because they had sailed that lake most of their lives. They knew the route, but they didn't know what was going to happen while they were en route. But Jesus did. Jesus knew. And in verse 36, here's where we go with the story. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind. And Mark is the only disciple here that, who tells us in the Gospels that although there were some other boats that followed. So they weren't alone. Jesus sets out and this small fleet of boats kind of trail behind them following Jesus because they wanted to stick close. Now this area that they were on, this giant lake, uh, it was miles across, miles wide. So it was really a big lake. In fact, it was so wide that you couldn't see the other side in many parts of it. So they take off. Now, th there's uh, mountains on each side, uh, this valley in the middle, and the valley was below sea level. And the mountains here and the valley below sea level, and it was filled up with a giant body of water, this lake, this sea. And because on the other side, not far off, you know, there were other topography type things, but the wind would rush between these mountains and it would go on this body of water. And because the atmosphere then with the cold air and the hot air and all of this stuff happening, storms would happen. Violent storms would happen very quickly. And so the sky could be sunny. And then suddenly it was a horrible storm. That's what happened here. Verse 37. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Now, when they mention it was beginning to fill with water, that is the sign that we can understand sinking felt imminent. They felt like this was going to happen. The boat... And then we can add the other boats because they were being followed. 
the boat and these other boats, they're going down. They were frightened. Now, one thing about fishermen, they, many of these guys were professional fishermen, not all, but they knew how to handle a boat. But they also knew this, we are safer in the boat. We don't want to be scuba divers or we would have signed up for spear fishermen. But we are fishermen. We want to be in the boat. Now the boat is going down. And let me just make this comment. In your life and in my life, we are not guaranteed much. But we are guaranteed this. You are going to have many storms over the course of your life. I am so sorry to have to tell you this. You probably already know, though. We're going to have storms. And following Jesus does not take the storm out of life. It doesn't. If it does, or if it was supposed to, then Jesus would have to apologize to all of the early believers, many of whom died horrible martyrs' deaths. No. Jesus, in fact, tells us the opposite. We are going to have storms. Listen to this. I, I don't think I have this on the screen, but listen to this verse in John chapter 16. Jesus speaking. He says, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. In the middle of what's coming next, listen to this. Peace in the middle of what he's saying next. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, he said. I've overcome the world. Yes, Jesus has overcome every storm. He's overcome the world, but, but he's saying, but you know what? You're still going to walk through them. You are still going to have trials and hurts and pains and storms in your life. And that message is repeated throughout the New Testament over and over and over again. Storms in life, a storm is the norm. It's going to happen. No exceptions. Some of those storms are going to be created because of decisions that you make. Same for me. Some of those storms are going to be because of decisions of other people. Same for me. Some of those decisions are going to come out of nowhere. It's going to happen. It is. Jesus, he knew this storm was coming. He knew it. He knew it was going to happen. He didn't tell them about it, but he knew it was ahead. This storm was going to surprise the guys. It was going to surprise the boats. But Jesus himself was not surprised. In fact, Jesus was taking a nap. Verse 38, Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. They had these cushions in the boat for where the men were that were rowing and helping the boat in the rowing capacity. And Jesus took one and fell asleep right on top of it. Jesus was in this storm as well. Jesus was in the storm with them. Jesus is God. He knows everything. He knows what's down the road. He knows what's around the corner. He knows what's coming. But Jesus, right here, 
Jesus is also human, and Jesus was exhausted. The crowds of people that he had been serving all day long, he served them to his human capacity, and he was exhausted. And so now here we have Jesus. Guess what Jesus did? He brought the men to the boat. And Jesus brought the boat and the men into the sea. And Jesus brought these men into the storm. He knew that it was coming. He was aware. But you see, these men were in the storm with Jesus. They were in the storm with Jesus, and they were in that storm somehow with purpose. It was a storm out of nowhere. 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 But look at the word nowhere for a moment. Nowhere. Just think about that word, how it's spelled, how it looks. Nowhere. And he was about to remind them that even though a storm may come out of nowhere, and even though it may feel like, God, what is happening? You are nowhere. He's about to remind the disciples, no, guys, I'm now here. It's not just nowhere. I, I am now here with you in this storm. In the storm with them. And somehow they are in the storm with his purpose. You know, it doesn't do us any good to ask this question. Well, did Jesus cause the storm or is he just allowing the storm? I'm just going to be honest with you. The answer, either answer to that question does not satisfy me. It doesn't matter if Jesus caused it or it doesn't matter if he allowed it. What matters is it's there. And what matters more is he says, I am now here. God with us. Emmanuel. That's what his name means. Emmanuel, God with us. God who chose to put on the flesh of man and live among us. So here's what happened next. The Bible says the disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? They're, they're shouting at Jesus. They're angry with Jesus. Don't you care about us, Jesus? Don't, don't you care about me? Why have you brought me here in this storm? Why have you allowed this to happen? Don't you care? Think about this with me. These are the same guys who saw Jesus turn water into wine. And not only did they see it, but they took a glass of it, a cup of it, whatever they used, and they put it into their mouth and it ran down the back of their throat. They tasted this water that had been turned into wine. 
These are the same men who saw Jesus uh, enable them to have this tremendous catch of fish. And they physically struggled to pull that net that was breaking, to pull it into their boats. They were there. They witnessed it. They felt the weight of the fish breaking the nets. They were there. These were the same men, the same men who had seen up to this point seven amazing, life-altering healings by Jesus. These are the same men who watched Jesus exert control over demonic forces. They saw it with their own eyes. They were standing there. They saw it. And get this, these are the same men who saw a child who was stone cold dead brought back to life. They saw it. They were standing there. Maybe, just maybe it is one thing to know what Jesus can do. It's one thing to see what Jesus has done for someone else. It's one thing to read about what Jesus has done. But it's a whole nother thing when it's your life and it's your storm. They were afraid even though they had seen what Jesus had done for others. When we're afraid... It reveals to the people around us and to ourselves, more importantly, to ourselves. It reveals where we don't trust God. You see, as far as I know, there's no storm that's forever. I don't think there has been in recorded history that a storm has rolled in and has stayed and, and not gone away. It just stayed and never left. There's no storm that stays forever. And in the relational storms and the financial storms and the physical storms that roll through our lives, I want you to know, no storm lasts forever. Verse 39. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Silent! Be still! Suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And now Jesus, the counselor, asked them a question. Verse 40. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? It's the same thing as him looking at them and saying, why don't you trust me? Why are you so worried? Why don't you yet have faith in me? It's like he's saying, you have been living with me and living near me and living around me and living beside me, but you still are not listening to me. And it's true. They were near him, 
but I guess it appears that they really didn't follow him. They really, at this point, didn't believe him. They really didn't understand him. Somehow they really didn't trust him or know him or really didn't submit to him. Not yet. They had been busy living life near him, but it just seems like they weren't yet listening to him. In just a moment, I want to share a friend with you guys as we visit. She's going to make her way down here now. But just think of the disciples for a moment. Think of your life for a moment. If you will walk with him long enough, and if you will trust him, if you will spend more and more time with him, if you will learn to believe him, to stay close to him, to submit to him, to give him your all, and as you begin then to realize in your life that he is never going to leave you, He's with you in the storm. Miss Sheila. Yes, sir. All right. This is my friend, Miss Sheila, and I am so grateful she's stepping up here this morning to share with us. Miss Sheila, you have had different storms in your life. Oh, yes. We don't have time to jump back and, and try to review all of those, but I've just asked if you would share with us this morning maybe this most recent storm that your family has found yourselves in and just kind of tell us, just catch us up with maybe how that came about or that information. Well, uh, <clears throat> John had a spot that was taken out of his side and we went back for the diagnosis and it was cancer. So when you're faced with the doctor telling you you've got cancer, it's just, it's, you're just blown. You're just blown away. So it took us a while to go home and process all this and it's taken a long time to get where we're at now and it's hard yeah it's hard for the person that's been told that right and his is lung cancer so it's it's not curable right so my thing to him every day was it's hard on the person the family but it's hard on him right because we have to put our faith in the lord right so there's many times when i say he says i don't know if i'm going to make it for my birthday and today's his birthday Woo! Happy birthday, we're, JP. We're here. I saw them rolling in on their motorcycles this morning. We, we did. We Good. came in on our motorbikes, and we're very blessed. So he says sometimes, I'm not sure I'm going to make it to my I'm birthday. I'm not going to make it to my birthday. And he's here on his birthday. And he's here on his birthday. Yeah. He did make it for his birthday, and I look at him and I tell him, you know, the good Lord's already know how long we're going to be here. Right. So you've got this, so we got to work through it. And I know he's here with us. Yeah. So... But I can't have faith for me and you both. Right. You're going to have to have your own faith. Yeah. And you're going to have to do this. So I know that, it, you know, the, the story on I cared you. Uh -huh. uh -huh. He's been caring me. And, and my church family that I've got to know and came uh -huh. here, and it's John's reason that I yeah. started coming here, is sometimes I don't think I've said the right things, and I don't think I'm really there and stuff good enough. And so my church family usually always 
picks up the phone and if you need anything, yeah. we talk. And Brother Harley's listened to me and stuff. And I really appreciate all of y'all. And we just can't set him up on the shelf. I've done that many years, many times. In and my when life. you say that, you're talking about your your relationship with Jesus. You can't just put it on a shelf and treat it how? Treat that relationship how? Like, I'm through with you. I can get through this all by myself. You can't get through with it by yourself. You're never too old. You're never too young to put Jesus in your heart. It's yeah. got to be here in your heart, and you've got to trust him that he's going to be there for you. You know, one thing I find, and I think we're all tempted to do this. I know I, even I am tempted to do this. If things are going well, I have a tendency to neglect my relationship, my daily ongoing relationship with God the Father. And I do. I have a tendency to place him up on the shelf and to think, okay, um, things are going well. I don't need you right now. And I don't really say that, but that's the way I live and that's the way I act. And then when the wheels come off, when I'm in the storm, when, when everything is crashing down, that's when I have a tendency then to run back and pull Jesus off the shelf and say, I need you now. But that's, although sometimes Jesus will use a storm, even if he didn't cause a storm, he might use that storm to draw us back to him. His preference is for us to remain in the boat with Jesus every day, all day long, and never place him up on the shelf. And so you have been really reminded through this storm, and, and I'm sure others, but through the storm that you and JP are in right now, you've been reminded can't put Jesus on the shelf. Got to have him. We can't make it through this without him. Yeah. And we got to trust that he's carrying us there and he's going to be there for us. Yeah. He's there for everybody. Right. You know, you've just got to let him in. Let him in and let him do it and walk with him. And you know what? As we wrap up this message today, I think my hope is that we're going to give everyone some encouragement about maybe how you can keep Jesus in your boat. So I know that Miss Sheila and Mr. JP would just be tremendously encouraged if today y'all would have them in your prayers as he celebrates his birthday and as they are walking through this storm together. And so I just, as she just carefully slips down back to her seat, I just want to pray for her and JP. And you go ahead and sit down while I pray. Be careful. Thank Can you. you see? Okay. And never... Always take the time to stand up and testify for your Lord. It don't matter where you're at. It's <laughs> never a bad place. Never a bad place. Okay. God, thank you so much for our friends. And God, I pray that as they celebrate this birthday, that they would feel a very special presence of their Savior. The Savior who is with them in this storm. And God, we cannot answer the question of did you cause it or are you just allowing it? God, those are questions that we don't even need to ask. What we need to make sure we ask is, are we with you in the storm? Because God, we know most certainly you are with us. And God, we pray that you would bless their day together on this birthday. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here's what I want to ask you as we finish up this morning. My question for you is this. Are you in a storm right now? 
And I'm just going to ask you very simply, just for a moment, will you just bow your heads with me? I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to say anything. I just want you to testify just to me at this moment and in front of your Heavenly Father. If you're in a storm of some sort in your life right now, I'm not going to ask you to do anything, just this. Will you just simply raise your hand? Is there some kind of storm happening in your life? All right, you can put those hands down. Now I want you to look at me. For all of us, how do we best experience the presence of Jesus today since we are in a period of history that is after his death and resurrection. And now today the Bible tells us he is with the Father in heaven at this very moment. How do we keep Jesus in our boat, in our lives? How do we maintain his presence in this day and time? First, let me ask this question to those of you who are investigating, who are figuring out whether you do or do not want to follow Jesus. Let me address you for just a moment. Maybe you have been investigating Jesus, and th this is an amazing place, an amazing church to come and investigate the claims of Christ, because you can do it without being judged, without being singled out, without being put on the spot. You, you, it's an amazing place to begin this journey to say, do I want to ultimately follow Jesus, to give him my life? And if you are in that place this morning, I just, let me tell you, my goal for your life, the goal Jesus has stated in scripture for your life is for you to choose to follow him. And so I just unashamedly say, perhaps today is that day. And here's how you make that work. First, you have to admit that you need Jesus, that you cannot do this life without him. In fact, you have tried, as I had tried previously, I tried to do my life without Jesus, and I realized I couldn't do it. At my best, I was bad. And if you realize that you need him, if you understand that the Bible tells us that every single person who has ever lived, except for Jesus who came here to do what he did for us, to die on the cross, everyone else has sinned, missed God's standard, and that includes me. And when I realized that, there was nothing I could do to make it better. Once you miss a standard, you can never meet it. And meeting it was never a possibility for myself. Maybe you realize that and you admit that. Second thing, do you believe that Jesus really did die on the cross, that he is who he says that he is in Scripture? And he did what he said he would do. And he will do what he said he will do. Do you believe that? That he died on the cross for you and three days later, he did exactly what he predicted, that he would come to life again. And he showed himself to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of his followers. Do you believe that? I do. Then you just simply need to have a belief that becomes 
And you know how that happens? You just simply say, God, this life that you have given me, when you died on the cross, you purchased it with your blood. And so I give it back to you. I am yours. And if for the very first time you are really believing, saying that, saying, God, I, I do, I believe, I've been investigating this, and it's time for me to cross over. It's time for me to mark on my life, sold, and it's sold to you. You're my boss. I'll follow you. If you're doing that for the first time on the back of your connection card, there's a place for you to mark for the first time I'm becoming a Christ follower. Will you mark that? And it is so important that you stop by Guest Connections and pick up the piece of paper there the, the, right at the box office as you leave. It says next steps and then green across the middle. It says first steps. Please don't go home until you have that in your hand. Now that's the first step. Some of you this morning... I feel like have taken that step right now. You are saying to God in your heart, you don't have to say it out loud. He's listening to you right now. Do you admit you need him? Do you believe he really died on the cross for you? And now because of that, he has purchased your life and you say to him, God, it is yours. You can have it. Some of you have just done that. Some of you have already done that. Now this next part is for all of us. How do you allow him to remain in your boat when you're in the storm? How do you turn this thing that scares us when he says, why are you still afraid? Why do you still not have faith? How do we begin to develop that faith that Jesus is asking us about that we can have even when we're in the storm? Very quickly. I've got a few verses I want to share with you. In just a moment, we're going to be to the band. But listen to this. John chapter 1, verse 1. Don't miss this. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now you say, well, what's this about this Word thing? Well, John tells us when you look down to verse 14, listen to what he says. So the Word became human and made his home among us. That is Jesus. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. God is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him. And we have seen his glory and the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is John speaking of Jesus. He says God's word existed in the beginning and his word became flesh and made his home here among us. That is Jesus, the word becoming flesh. Now listen, how do we keep Jesus in our boat and to develop this faith even when we're in the storm? This faith that, that Jesus is not going to leave us and not forsake us. He's going to walk us through this mess. How do we develop that faith? John chapter 20, verse 30. Listen to this. And the disciples saw Jesus do, more, uh, do, do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. In other words, Jesus did so many more things. These are just the ones they wrote down. Verse 31. 
but these are written, the ones they did write down, these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that, be- that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. John is saying these things were written down so that you can grow and develop in your faith. I so believe that we lack this faith that Jesus is saying, where is your faith? Why are you still afraid? Why don't you have faith in me? I believe that we lack that faith because we don't devote our time to God's word. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I don't think I have this on the screen. Just listen to this. Faith, this faith we're talking about, it comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So the question, why am I struggling to have faith? Why am I struggling to trust Jesus? The answer, because we leave the word of God out of our lives. We put it, as Miss Sheila said, on the shelf. And we will then always lack faith. My friends, we are unashamedly asking you to do three things with us this year. We're asking you to every single week do what you are doing this morning. To sit under the teaching of God's word. We're asking you to do that every single week. Will you sit under the teaching of God's word? Second thing we're asking you to do, three times a year, three times a year, will you meet with a group of people and discuss with them how God's Word interacts with your life? We call these things small groups, and we do them three times a year, one in the fall, one in the spring, one in the summer. Will you do that with us? Three times a year. It's like eight, nine weeks, not very long at all. Will you talk about God's word with that small group of people? Will you talk about how God's word interacts with our lives? And then here's the third thing. Will you do this? Will you every single day of your life There's going to be days you forget. We understand that. Will you most of the days of your life daily get into God's word and read it and then pause to talk with him about his word? And we talk with him through prayer We talk with him through listening to his word. We talk to him by even journaling, writing down a letter to God. 
any of those ways. It, it doesn't matter. Whatever mode of communication fits your life, your style, you, the way he has created you best, do that. But will you get into his word every single day and then have a conversation with him about it? Will you do these three things with us? Every week, sit under the teaching of his word. Three times a year, get into this small group and discuss how his word interacts with your life. And then every single day, get into his word and talk to God about what it says. Our bottom line this morning says this. Don't miss this bottom line. Here's what it says. When living life comes before listening to his word, Eventually, and always, faith will falter. Even when Jesus is in your boat. When living life comes before listening to his word, eventually and always, faith will falter even when Jesus is in your boat. And I'm going to close with this. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. It's not on the screen, I don't believe. Just listen to this. If it is, great. If not, I didn't put it in. Listen to this, verse 46. Powerful. Jesus. Jesus saying, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Then he says in verse 47, okay, he says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. He said, it's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and they break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house with a foundation without any foundation at all. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now think of our bottom line. Now think of this. When listening to God's word becomes a priority, then we begin to live life as second. No longer what I want, me being the most important. We begin living life as second, and our faith never stops growing. But when living life becomes more important than listening to his word, eventually and always, faith will falter, even with Jesus in the boat. Let's pray. God, this morning we want to, many of us, want to make a commitment to say to you, as best we can, God, we want to sit under the teaching of your word. We want to get to know you and, and others through their journey and their interaction and our interaction with your word in a small group. And God, 
We want to get into your word daily and talk with you about that. Because we don't want living this life to come first. We want to begin listening to your word so our faith can grow instead of falter. So that we can know you are in the boat. And Jesus, if you are calm, then even though we're in a storm, we can be calm with you. God, we want to come to you. We want to listen to your teaching, and God, we want to follow it. Because a house built upon the rock of Jesus has a mighty foundation. We need you. We offer these songs to you in worship and reflection. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.